And this episode of the Last King podcast, we're going to be talking about anime of 2018. Hello and once again, welcome to the Last King podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eccentric Tom. This is old Mr. Toffee here, the second host. And old Mr. Toffee, us, huh? Course, is... <laughs> oh my god, I have no idea why this tongue slip keeps happening. <laughs> and this is uh, Shafiq Chan. Shafiq Chan, yes, leaning hard into yeah. the weeaboo. Yeah, leaning hard into yeah. weeaboos. Weeaboos is a very new term, actually. I have not heard weeaboo until maybe the early 2000s. What does it actually mean? It's a derogatory term for huge anime fans who like their shonens. I mean, like, the word otaku has existed before that. And yeah. otaku was basically, like, um, bigger than fan. Like, more like fanatic. Which is also what fan yeah. means. But also at the same time, like, I think weeaboo is also more derogatory because it's used to describe uh, westerners who are really yeah. into Japanese culture. Not just anime, actually. It may- westerners who heard Japanese... I mean, hear some Japanese phrases here and there, but they don't really know what it means or... I mean, that's basically the I mean, they part. watch one episode of Dragon Ball and they think they know everything. <laughs> yeah, they start arguing online and start using little anime girls as their online avatars. And speaking of uh, online anime girl avatars, Mr. Toffee, uh, today is going to be an extra special anime-centric episode because we did tease very uh, early last year during uh, one of our uh, f- final episodes. One the- of our old shows. One of well, it wasn't that old. Right? It was probably three episodes Back in ago. the good old days of 2018. Yeah, that we will be exploring uh, different categories. So we've done an entire uh, episode di- just about music, which is very rare for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have done the anime episode, but we thought it would be also uh, high time that we you know, dedicated another episode entirely to the wonderful uh, culture that is uh, Japanese animation. Yep. And to be frank, I think 2018, there's actually a sh- hackathon of anime out there. Were like, you about to say your... a shiitake hackathon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shiitake hackathon too, yeah. But Nani? yeah, there's actually a lot. After doing a lot of research just for this episode, it's like, wow, that's a lot I've missed out on. I mean, we've seen our episodes, we've seen the shows we like, mm-hmm. but in terms of like actually broadening our horizons, it's like, wow, there's a lot more that just came out, dude. Like, we're talking like old you know, manga turned into like shows like uh, Banana Fish. We've got like a rocky kind of like show called Megaloboxing or something. And we've got like other, really a lot of this um, isekai animes. Like this is actually this trope that's been going around since Overlord came out. Basically where the hero, like the guy from real from the real world enters like an alternate universe and he's like the almighty god or goddess or whatnot. I mean, the, okay. the isekai trope, yeah. It's actually a thing. There's a term for it now. I think the most popular of that would be like something like Sword Art Online, right? If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Sword Art on- oh, yeah, sorry. Sword Art Online and Overlord. Those are the two prominent yeah. uh, isekai animes. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, what came out recently that has the isekai trope? Um, That's original? Reincarnation to a Slime. I might have gotten the title wrong. It's that. It's a pretty good one, but unfortunately, I did not get to watch all of it. Uh, it's called That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. About this kid who ends up in the fancy world, but instead of being a super powerful warrior, he's a one-level slime, I think. Or was it a king slime? You know, like in, like in those Dragon Quest games. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But they melt armor and they do uh, destroy weapons, so slime is actually not bad. <laughs> yeah. Could have been worse. He could have been a night elf. <laughs> <laughs> that too, yes. <laughs> but I would say, yes, uh, 2018 has been a stellar year for anime, so let's maybe uh, start our roundtable discussion on our favorite animes of 2018. Maybe let's begin with the non-Asian member of asking <laughs> here. And uh, so, uh, tell us. Uh, potential weebu. Yeah. Potential, potential weebu. I think I'm that's, that's a the... long way to go before I become a weebu, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. 
We know what to get you for Valentine's Day. How many waifu pillows do you need now? <laughs> Uh, I mean, how many would I need before my wife divorces me? I think just one will do the trick. Mm. <laughs> Unless it's of her, in which case I might need a confusing conversation. I mean, it's fine as long as it doesn't have the dick holes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Eccentric Tom, um, how about your journey into anime? What have you discovered or what do you want to talk about? So I watched a grand total of two animes last year. And I've already talked about one of them, which was Agretsuko. So I'll talk about the other one, which is Attack on Titan Season 3, or more specifically, the first half of Attack on Titan Season 3. Don't you just hate it when TV yeah, shows do that, you know, they just kind of... I know, it's, and I blame fucking Harry Potter. It's ever since Deathly Hallows Part 1 did that cool thing of saying, oh, we're going to have the final film, but we're going to split it in two. And then every fucking movie and TV show is doing exactly the same fucking thing. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, I remember the last few seasons did that sort of thing. Like, oh, we're going to show six episodes first, we're going to show the other half later on. I mean, but I don't think it's entirely meant as a marketing strategy. Sometimes it's just budget. Yeah, (laughs) I think for Galactica, it's definitely budget. For Potter, it was pure marketing. And I think for this one, it's because uh, who's the uh, artist who's doing Attack on Titan? Oh man, that name escapes me. <laughs> uh, some young dude, I think it's literally because he's going, shit, 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 I still need to write this. Please give me more time. Holy fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. Why was this a success? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I like, did. why did the hell did I have to do this? My art isn't even good. Why do people like this? Oh man. So maybe just recap a bit of what happened in Attack on Titan before going to season three. So by now, time. everyone knows the premise. Uh, Humanity is living in this big wall, not even a city, it's just like a land which is entirely walled because they have to keep out these giant titans which you can only kill by cutting the nape of their neck, otherwise, you know, any limb you cut off, they eventually grow back and, you know, they're just driven by an endless need to eat humans, literally nothing else but eat humans. And uh, well, Yeah, that was what was pretty much established in season one. And then they yeah. decided to elaborate and that's when things kind of fell apart for me, actually. Yeah, pretty much. So kicks off uh, the wall is breached they have to retreat to the second uh, level and then our titular hero Eren Jaeger uh, joins uh, the military and uh, then we have all these kind of you know parables about the fascist military police state blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, social political stuff is okay very on the nose but you know what do you expect the main thing people want to see was because you got to see all these cool spider-men like uh, you know 3d maneuver gear killing titans and it was awesome in season one. Definitely. Like, absolutely breathtaking, especially later on when, spoiler alert, we discover that uh, Eren is also a titan and can become one. When he's fighting uh, the female titan, that was a fantastic uh, scene as well. Especially when he catches fire and shit, that was Ooh, fantastic, yeah. pure anime. And season two was fine. Like, yeah, we discovered that there are more humans who are also titans. Specifically, oh, the other two kind of prominent people that didn't die in the first wave, so obviously they're important for some reason. Oh, and another one. She's also a titan. Another one was meant to be a titan, but not because something else happened. Like that, yeah, yeah, that to me is the biggest problem I have with Attack on Titan, because during the first season, they kind of established the titans as something that they couldn't explain. They had no idea where they came from, what their purpose yeah. was. And I especially love that uh, moment where they mentioned like they ignored all other wildlife they don't eat animals they only seem to be wanting to attack humans yeah and there was something like you know lovely and mythological about that and then once they started like you know once they established that oh these titans used to be people 
and then like there's a bigger conspiracy going on mm-hmm. and then that's when like okay you're a bit too big for your britches very ambitious with it's like, what it is you were trying to do it's here. the same with anything which has elements of horror to it like the more you explain the horror the less scary it is yeah because you know whatever you describe no matter how twisted and awful and disgusting looking it is it's not as scary as what might be in someone's head yeah. because like the ultimate human fear is the fear of the unknown why do a lot of people uh, don't want to go in the ocean? Because they don't know what the fuck's in there. It's terrifying. Sharks, Sharks are in there. <laughs> yeah. Things but, that will kill you and eat you. And probably Cthulhu. And probably Cthulhu. He's definitely in the ocean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Waiting for his time to shine. But also that, um, like, I think also when the second season went on, it kind of lost a lot of the, I wouldn't even say risk, I would say the stakes because it yeah. felt at first like okay we are the last line of defense against uh, the titans reaching the second wall and then all these extra characters kept popping up and then you think to yourself I thought like this was the last remnants of humanity who are these other people popping out of nowhere yeah and the main problem is that you know there are plenty of interesting characters not even like you know badass characters like you for every Levi and Mikasa you have a Connie and uh, that girl who does nothing but eats Oh, Potato Girl. Yeah, yeah I love oh, potato, potato Girl. girl. Potato she's girl. absolutely Loki, my favorite character. Because she's actually good at her job as well. She just is a fucking pig. To the point where she... I think she has a mental disorder because she can't stop herself from eating. I didn't like the way they did her... The fear of the world ending probably got her hungry. Yeah. Like, she was the one character that they got wrong in the live-action remake. You know? I was like... Like, I mean, do you want to go there, Life Fashion Radio, or we just leave that? No, no, no we're not no, talking about no, that. Like, no. There's two of them, right? <laughs> as soon as I discovered... Wait, there's two? I thought there's only just one. As what soon the hell, as I discovered they turned Mikasa into a ditzy flirt, I knew that this was going to be a shit show, so no thank you. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. But uh, this is all a lead-up to talk about Season 3, which finally landed last year. And it was weird. Uh, to begin with, they changed the themed song I mean they did that with season 2 as well Yeah, but it wasn't metal anymore mm. it was like a piano power ballad melody very slice of life <laughs> yeah it was super slice of life I just I, I played it and at first I thought that I was watching some shitty like fan remake it's like oh no this is really the show and it's the same guy it's still Link to Horizon who made the theme mm. just like mm. I don't know I think it, they need to do something yeah, different but, I guess Here's the thing, it's it matches the mood of like at least the first half of season three because it's much slower. It's much more focused on character development. Which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Well, depends if you have any interesting characters yeah, to I mean, develop. The the bad thing, like funny you say that, most of the characters aren't that interesting. Mm-hmm. Like even the interesting ones are kinda of like mm, you're definitely not a very strong writer. Yeah. But because they took the time to actually try and focus in on these characters, it kind of worked, actually. And the most amazing thing that they managed to do was to make Eren stop being a whiny little bitch. Because there's this moment where he suddenly feels all guilty because he's you know, part Titan and he discovers finally what his father was doing, which was the big mystery of season one. And he's like, oh my god, it's all my fault. You know, please ju- just eat me. Like, that'll be explained in the show. Like, uh, it's terrible. I don't want to live anymore. And then Connie just goes, will you shut the fuck up? We're trying to rescue you. Stop being such a whiny little bitch and let us rescue you. It's like, damn. Okay, finally someone's like shouting some sense to this boy. And he finally steps up and becomes not necessarily, you know, mature, but less of a uh, whiny bitch boy. 
which is definitely what he was for most of season two. And yeah, and it's not just him. Also, uh, I can't remember her the name that she went with before, but uh, the blonde girl. We discover her real name is Historia. I think that's in season two. Yeah, the one who's actually uh, like you know in line to be like no, she's, queen. She's or... meant to be the real uh, queen. Yeah, like the current one is a just a pretender. And so she goes through a development arc where she meets her father, who is called Rob Reiser. I love these names. And uh, she goes through a really interesting character arc because she spent a lot of time with uh, Ymir, who was like the older girl looking after her. And she's kind of adopted a kind of like, fuck everyone, I'm in it for me and me alone, but I want to survive, so you might as well survive as well kind of mentality, which is interesting. As shows her stop being so kind of, you know, naive and innocent which I guess is kind of like the show's explanation of there's no such thing as innocence in as this kind of you know long drawn out warfare well uh, I mean what about you Mr. Toffee what are your thoughts on the new season of Attack on Titan uh, unfortunately I didn't get to watch that much of it but what do you think about uh, the development of um, Levi if I recall I heard he was was he a highlight in this in, this, in the third, third season by who sorry like Levi. third season Oh, Levi, Levi. Uh, we discover his backstory and specifically with a new antagonist called Kenny, who okay. also has uh, the uh, ODM gear, but he uses guns instead of blades. And within the universe, that means this was designed to kill humans, not Titans, because guns don't do shit to Titans. And it was like through that that we discovered more about him and he became a bit more humanized and we showed... Kind of like he does have some weaknesses. He's not, you know, the unstoppable badass that was presented to us in season one. Like when his squad got wiped out by the female Titan. And he was the last one left alive just to show how badass he is. We still got to see him like, oh, no, there is one person who can counter him. This is the proper hard counter to him. But my... That's a complaint of mine is that it feels like a lot of the issues placed against him because... The start of the season is very much against them. The scouts are like public enemy number one. And by episode six, it's all cleared up, pretty much. Okay, I mean, how many episodes will be the... Twelve. So they did six first, and then there's going to be another six. No, they've done twelve first, and I guess there'll be another twelve coming up in 2019. Wow. I mean, like much later in 2019, like they're just saving it. Yeah, and there's only one major Titan fight, which is where Rob Rice becomes a Titan. And he becomes a titan. Like, he's twice the size of the colossal titan. Oh, shit. And, yeah, and there's a fun part where he's so big he can't walk. He has to drag himself across. Okay. So his face is dragging in the dirt. So when he finally lifts up, his face has just been sheared off. Oh. And it's a wonderfully gruesome image. Like, even his tongue is kind of lolling out. And he's just, like, drooling, uh, yeah, drooling blood everywhere. It's wonderfully hideous. And kind of... Ooh, this is a kind of a glimpse of something, but he dies in one episode. Okay. Yeah, Aaron um, just r- runs in with uh, some gunpowder and they blow, they blow his face up, and then they cut the nape of the neck as it's like a globule of fat. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I'll be the first to say this. Uh, I kind of tapped out on the Attack on Titan uh, bandwagon since season two because it just you. got extremely convoluted. Yeah. And I think the major complaint a lot of people have about this show in general is the fact that the guy who put it together didn't expect it to be a hit so mm-hmm. basically everything after like the second like the second edition of the manga when it came out people were kind of like disappointed with how like weak like his choices became and like how a lot of the things that felt very you know uh, 
like it was it had a very beautiful apocalyptic tone for yeah. season one, and it felt like you know this was truly like you know humanity at the brink. We have no choice. This is like the last stronghold for all of uh, like you know of mankind. Yeah, I'm and bet- now like it's like the problem I have with a lot of zombie shows where it feels like this is still going on. Like, yeah, it kind of feels similar to The Walking Dead, but anime in a way. Like, okay, we've got these plot points here. We're gonna drag it out. Yeah. We don't know why, but maybe the writer might run out of ideas. Um, I believe it's Hajime something. I finally found the name. I think it's more in the sense that it feels like instead of trying to come up with a conclusive story, he's just coming up with ways to stretch things out. Yeah, because this is literally his first hit, and I think yeah. he's afraid that he can't do anything else. Yeah, I guess so. Too. So he's just dragging it out. And there's meant to be a big reveal, which people thought was going to happen this season, but I guess it's going to be the second half. Nah, I mean, th- it's probably the second yeah. half. Yeah, and it's it's, it's kind of like the end to the Maze Runner. I'm not aware of that show at all. So it's <laughs> a movie. I mean, yeah, I've, uh, there's been three of them apparently. Right? <laughs> oh, the the next two are absolute horseshit, like truly terrible. The first one was an interesting premise, which I kind of liked, and then it's like, oh. I think I aged out just yeah. in time not to enjoy the Maze Runner, <laughs> but yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean it's fine, but like if you are familiar at all with that movie, you'll kind of guess what the reveal is kind of meant to be like. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, though, I still kind of like it because yes, there was less Titan action, but there was still plenty of ODM maneuverability stuff. But it was more mm. like human on human. Which are, was there a lot more drama like, uh, compared to like the past seasons? I guess uh, it was more like political machinations. Like there was uh, a kind of you know a coup subplot which was kind of interesting. So I guess uh, it was basically the guy going watching Game of Friends going, "Ooh, I should add some of this," and it worked kinda. You can tell this is not someone's real nuanced take on social political affairs and how would you do a military coup, which is a in a state which is already you know heavily run by the military uh, there's definitely a lack of practice to the dialogue but you can tell you know he's trying at least which I think makes it more palatable yeah I think you can't really fault him because it's not yeah. his forte but also at the same time it also kind of feels like if only he had a bigger story in mind there is a bigger story which was already revealed in the manga uh, it's not in the anime yet obviously but mm. um, I think there's definitely setting the groundwork now so i get the feeling that the the manga it was kind of rushed but whereas when they're making the anime they're definitely you know trying to lay plenty of uh, flaws so that when you know the reveal hits you have something to land on but i mean let me ask you sincerely does it feel like it's all just padding at this point it definitely it's not you know narrow to levels of padding but it's definitely feeling like they're teasing it out and what definitely doesn't help is that the last episode isn't a big battle mm. it's the night before a big battle so it's the cliffhanger like the episode season. is literally called the night before the battle of retake war maria but i mean in a, in in a good way the uh, part two of season three will start off with a bang hopefully yeah i mean it's or definitely a really large recap <laughs> it better not like a two like a one episode recap it, like most bad animes I mean, would do uh, so, it better start like uh the midway point of season one just Bang! Titan on Titan action. Yeah. Let's get in on this. But I mean, okay, I want to ask you, Mr. Toffee, does it feel to you, especially since you very openly admitted that you just didn't want to jump on this anymore? I did not want to do it. Does no. it feel like, I think Attack on Titan is turning into a bad anime? 
It had um, a very unique premise and it started yeah. very well and it got enough attention and then not and I think it's also important that it got enough international acclaim because mm-hmm. like you know the West picked up on it it was the most popular anime in America when it came out I'm pretty sure a lot of Crunchyroll subscriptions <laughs> well because <laughs> of, of Tekken Titan uh, yeah. I'm sure if we can Tekken look at the Titan. numbers it was definitely a massive jump and it was I think also because there were a lot of fan theories which came up about it because it's just such an amazing premise with so little explained like oh my god what is this yeah. Also helps that the theme tune is one of the most badass show openings for season one, definitely. The the first the first season. Theme it is tune. glorious. Yes, I love that theme song. Uh, what I love yeah. I, I, about it is that someone uh, wrote on uh, Reddit, "There's nothing that you can't animate to this, and it would still be badass." And someone <laughs> got yeah, that yeah, comment yeah. and animated the comment in a yeah. video to just show that it's still everything badass. goes well with Attack on Titan season 1 yeah nah I still say girl team goes better with everything girl team too yes <laughs> but okay but the, to answer Shafiq's question I'm not sure if it has run its course because I don't think this season has actually reached that part where the wall was I mean there's some stuff that happens at the wall and the stuff that happens later on because I did read a little bit of the manga like ahead of time mm-hmm. and maybe if they reach that point and they don't know what to do with it and they just stretch it on within like 2 with two or three more seasons, then you can call it a bad anime. Because I don't think anything can top Bleach. No. At all. <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. At least Naruto, for all its faults and its very long padding. The seven plus it, 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 years it, it, of it, fluff. It ended on a really good note, yeah. It ended on a really good note. It ended. It, at least it ended. At least yeah. it decided. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, and I'm not counting Boruto. I'm just counting just Naruto. Mm-hmm. Like, it. Ship, it ended. Which one? Shippunden or the, or the other? Or Naruto? Yeah, yeah, all of it. Naruto, Naruto, Shippunden. That's it. I don't count Boruto because that's a completely there's more big can of worms yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to get into. I mean, to circle back to the Game of Thrones comparison, I think they're definitely trying to do the uh, you know the setup more this time round. Uh, they actually, you know, because season one was you know a lot of just amazing set pieces, which kind of made you feel like oh, what's this uh, drama bullshit i want more titans hmm. so now the baby are telling the audience sit down and pay fucking attention to this world we're trying to build and I we promise you'll really get another reward at all because you also have to understand on the production level those set pieces you love so much actually cost more yes it's way cheaper to just animate uh, like animate sorry animate talking heads. Anime, yeah, yeah. yeah because it's basically like you know only the mouths move if you really pay attention which yeah, is, uh, a tactic that the West has picked up very easily. But <laughs> trying harder, like the last episode, even though there's no combat, they had 15 uh, directors mm-hmm. of animation. Okay. So it shows that at least they're putting effort into you know the drama scenes, not just the action. But that could be just different teams working Maybe. on different sections because you have to understand when it does uh, when you have an anime director, it's basically here's your block script and then, okay these are the scenes you need to do most of the time they don't even have the dialogue mm-hmm. they just need to like okay he's looking this way they have to compose their shots so it's like basically here's your mouth element and just animate that and that's it I mean like a lot of people also complain Like, I mean anime in general is a lot of very still screens and yep. slow panning <laughs> mm-hmm. if uh, you've all not realized that by now anime is actually very cheap to make and it's always easier to just have tons of dialogue rather than tons of action. Yeah. Which is like, you know, when you explain Naruto, it's like, yeah, why are they talking so much? Is because, you know, there aren't... Oh, we can just go back to like, Rooney Kenshin. Why are these guys talking so much when they're Why is he explaining his move before he does his move? And why is he explaining his yeah. counter move as the counter move is happening for the move? Yes, yes, I know. You can go as far back as Dragon Ball, where they're just there you yelling yes. at each other before they do anything. Where they have seasons of people shouting at each other. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love mean, that. you have to understand there's a very delicate balance between budget, uh, yeah. production value, your artists, you know, whether you feed them as well. <laughs> because you also have to understand. Which is also, you know, yeah. optional. Because, like, uh, the Japanese anime, like, as an anime artist, right, it's a. It's a veritable meat grinder mm-hmm. because, like, if you were to see a lot of shows nowadays, you will see like in the credits that they outsource it to places like Korea mm-hmm. or like Vietnam, who is like it's a totally different budget over there too. Yeah. So at the same time, it's like, um, I mean, for the discerning taste, right? It's very important for me that the story at least is in congruence with uh, what the themes or what their setup was, rather than when you have like shows like this where it's like, okay, we need to like keep this like you know gravy train going i don't think it's fair to say that the plot is contrived it definitely still feels true to what the world is mm. it's just like the whole nihilism and the whole like the world's ending let's just make the but I, think I mean there's, there's more hope this time around but i yeah. think it's more of a case of that maybe it's taking longer to develop than people want to yes because a lot happened in the first season it was definitely I, the complaints people have about the last season of Game of Thrones is the what people liked about the first season of Attack on Titan, if that makes sense. Okay, what do you mean? Okay, yeah. it does, it does. Elaborate. I remember how in the first se- couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, pe- stuff would go at a snail's pace. Like people would almost be traveling in real time. Everybody's in the garden talking. Yeah. Whereas in season seven, people seem to teleport across continents. Because they needed to get shit done plot-wise. Or because we're running out of money and episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know. It's but like, why are we teleporting? You know how expensive these dragons are going to cost? <laughs> and at least you can say, well, the dragons, they can fly there. Like, yeah, but it's like, just stop complaining. more in the sense of like, you know, we can pay all these actors actual money to house them, feed them, and like, you know. Or we can just animate a bunch of shit blowing up with dragons and set guys on fire. You know? Yeah, that's an entire episode, and it worked. But also, like, what I'm really trying to get at is, sometimes uh, you also need to understand like the mechanics of what goes into the you know the the back end stuff, yeah, yeah, behind the scenes of an anime production. Because yeah, most of the times it's all relegated to one showrunner, and it, usually in these kind of cases, it's the manga writer himself. Yeah, and then you have like stuff like Naruto, where the show kept going, and then the manga writer decided, you know what? I don't want to do any more manga. I'll just mm-hmm. I'll take a break. You do what you want. Yeah. Then I'll have my own timeline in your timeline. And it, it's like, oh, then there's like more bang for your buck because there's so much more product to buy. All yeah, of yeah, of course. Which is what George R. R. Martin is kind of doing because mm-hmm. apparently his books are not going to tie in with the, the shows anymore. Well, he, they he's just going can't. his own direction, right? Yeah, because they've killed off characters who are just still alive. Mm, there you and, go. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the inverse as well. And then you need to do the uh, alternate timeline, uh, Game of Thrones, and mm. then somehow you know, Thanos will affect that too. <laughs> I would I love that tie-in. No, they will not make sense. Of it'll course be not. Terrible. Yes. But <laughs> also at the same time, um, Attack on Titan is actually to me the purest uh, form of anime in the sense where it's run out of steam and it knows it, <laughs> and it's just gonna keep going whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's because. There is the big reveal. It's gonna have to do something really special well, for the I mean, second the, season. The, the second big half reveal, which is meant to happen in the second half, season three, should hopefully reinvigorate it. But who knows? Yeah, but I mean, I am not gonna s- like. Okay, I'll give it benefit of the doubt. Maybe yeah. it is because of the budget they need to split the season, and also at the same time, it gives them like maybe that much more time to animate more things. I think that might be yeah. it because because yeah, I mean yeah. you have to understand sometimes even your production house like we need it to hit 
broadcast on this day. Yeah. And like we we haven't finished animating it. There's like this amazing fight scene. Okay, fine. Figure out a way to work around that. So okay, we'll save that for you know uh, season three part two. Yeah. And since they did uh, say like at the end of uh, season three part one is like okay we're all preparing for this epic battle. Let us animate it. <laughs> so yeah. by the time you guys come back, it'll be ready. Now you've just raised the bar on expectations, boys. So like, or they could you gotta you gotta really hit it home this time. Or they could do the ultimate troll and just show like a ruined wasteland and say, "Wow, that was some battle, huh? <laughs> that was some wow. battle. <laughs> Can you believe that happened? Oh my god, yes. That would be so fucked up. You know? <laughs> Remember that battle that happened? Yeah, man, what a battle that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like. Or, or the biggest slap in the face you could give to you know, an enemy. You, you yeah. know you can or do it. A Titan fan. <laughs> you can do it like what they did with like uh like with Godzilla, where we just look at a guy who's looking out the window <laughs> and he's explaining what he's saying. Oh my god, the chaos, the destruction, oh the humanity. It's just like turn turn the camera. What, what's he looking at? And it's like oh yeah. my god, what's happening? Oh, so it's people. like those uh, yeah, show us the goddamn action. Yeah. It's like those reaction uh, YouTube channels where you yes. just see some idiot's face. <laughs> Like, oh, stop, son. Oh, no. And then that titan just killed that other titan. And then, oh, no. And then all these people are dead. Ah, he ate that person. <laughs> Man, I think we just gave them an idea to stretch their dollar even more. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> oh, my God. Please don't listen don't to do us. that, please. Don't I think they that. did it in yeah. season two, right? Because they like there was this in, this epic, uh, like a whole bunch of the, the scouts of the raiders were killed off. And then it's basically only one guy survived and he explained what happened. Oh, it was totally Yeah, and they, do, and they did stills. It's like, Mm-hmm. Ooh, you definitely rushed this episode, this oh, season, yeah. didn't you? You ran out of money, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but uh, so, I mean, what are your thoughts? Are you going to stick on the Titan train and go on to uh, part two of season yeah, three? Yeah, because I need to see the reveal. I mean, I already know what it is because I'm an idiot and I spoiled it for myself by or, looking online. I mean, it... Well, you read the manga, right? Didn't you? No, I, I read the uh, plot points online. Why would you uh, do that? <laughs> because... I don't know. I was watching this uh, this thing trying to explain something, and then they revealed something in the manga, which I forgot to skip over. It's like, well, now I know, <laughs> so I might as well see the explanation. It sounds almost uh, as if you're trying to review this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, so Attack on Titan season three part one, yeah or nay? Yeah, I mean, Agretico's better, but I've already talked about it. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we did. We had one. But would you like about that. for guys like me who fell off the bandwagon? Would you want me to jump back in? I or? don't think this is enough to truly win you back. Yeah. But I mean, I if season three part two is absolutely amazing, bonkers, mm. then you'll have to see this to kind of enjoy the setup. I think maybe I'm more along the lines of I am waiting for that to come out so I can binge watch it properly rather than just watch half of it now and get get, get irritated for a whole like. Yeah, it's like... Other, it's going to be another six months, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's somewhere in the middle of uh, the year. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wait. I'll be fine. Yeah, be, be like, uh, you know, going to a fireworks show and then, like, the big finale is just like, oh, sorry, we have to get buy a new fuse. Uh, please wait here for a few hours. In- <laughs> or six months in this yeah. case. Or six months in this case. <laughs> Come back in six months' time for the rest of fireworks. <laughs> yeah. We promise wow. it'll be really good, but, you know, just please come back. Okay. So uh, on that note, uh, let's uh, tangent off uh, from the mighty titans of where is this place again? Dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> to the desolate wastelands of Antarctica. Want to go straight to Antarctica? Yeah, let's go straight to Antarctica. So like yeah. this is a show that me and uh, Mr. Toffee are gonna highly recommend, and yes. it is uh, a place further than the universe. Ooh. Uh, is it a sci-fi show? 
No, it's not. Although it could be. Well, they do know? carry a lot of Banana. science equipment to like measure rocks and like you know test weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to freeze to death, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah, things. you know, and it, there was this one, uh, you know, episode where they explain how they get clean, uh, clear water. Yeah, that was, so, that was cute. cute. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there is some signs in this. Hmm. Yeah, so the X Men. So this show is basically okay. To sum it up, is about four girls, four teens, who want to basically make the most of their lives by going to Antarctica. But obviously, being an anime, a slice of life kind of show with drama, it's way, way more than how I'm letting it on. Basically, okay. I mean, it's uh, well, that's not entirely true because each one of these girls has their own specific reasons to go to Antarctica. I mean, only w- their own agendas. Yeah, yeah only yeah, one of them kind of wants to escape like the stagnant life of you know where she's from. But I think I believe that is uh, Kimari, the main character. Yeah, so Kimari. basically, I mean, it's all about wanderlust. It's all about the spirit of adventure. It's all about youth. And to me, also probably one of the punch you in the most punch you in the feels anime I've seen in a while. Oh no, it's one of those, is it? It's one of those. But basically, uh, it's extremely heartwarming. It's yeah. extremely overly sentimental. Could also be a way to describe it because overly? I know, yeah, a lot of people kind of complain that it's very tropish in the sense where. It really works the feels. Oh, okay. And a lot know, of emotional manipulation. Tons of those, and very effective. Okay. I, I have to give praise. Which I'm okay with tropes because as long as you actually do the execution, mm-hmm. the voice work, and the camaraderie between the characters, right? Then I'm all for it. And the genuine—I mean, it just feels very genuine. The four, the the friendship between these four characters: Kimari, Shirase, Hinata, the comedian's girl, and Yuzuki, the pop star. Uh-huh. All four of them. Yeah. It's just done. I mean. Like when when you first inter- when you first watch the first episode, you see basically how Kimari and Shirase interact for the first time. When Shirase herself actually has a basically has money that she wants for the expedition, but she kind of lost in the toilet. You can see how she cries out and everything. And when she comp- when she confronted Kimari in the toilet, when she actually just wanted to just give back the money, then you can see Shirase, who seemed to be very cold, just ends up bursting in emotion. Where you see like. This is how this character is going to work from now on, basically. This sets up that pace. Line. I mean, yeah, it's she is the trope of the, I would say, very cold, very, like, not expressive, like, you know, girl who everybody kind of uh, misunderstands at first. So, but when she opens up, you can see her little quirks here and there, mm, especially yeah. when you bring up Antarctica. You know? yeah. yeah, this sounds very familiar to not just anime, but a lot of other shows where you have the cold, yeah. distant badass who eventually breaks down emotionally at some point. Well, she's not quite a badass. She, she cried. No, <laughs> not really. Well, none, none of them are badasses. Maybe Hinata. Hinata might be a bit of a badass. Well, the, the 13-year-old yeah. girls, there's only so much you can, you know, I think that that. is also a bad way of describing it because even though they are 13-year-old girls, uh, what it is, it's it's a coming-of-age story about people having to face destiny. Mm -hmm. Also, um, I think what I reacted most to the show was like that spirit of adventure where you need to step outside of your comfort zone and all of them had very interesting and very relatable reasons to do so. And like, you know, even though Shirase has the most personal reason where like her, the entire show is basically about her trying to return to not return to Antarctica to go to Antarctica to like reconnect you know, reconnect with her mother who like died when yeah. she was on an expedition there and Kimari just happens to tag along because she also was yearning for wanderlust and 
basically, you know, just want to break away from she, her uh, the banality routine. of her life. And yeah. then, of course, we have uh, Hinata, my favorite character, convenience hmm. store girl, who provides a lot yeah. of uh, very quotable quotes and also sort of comic relief. And she might seem like yeah. she might seem like comic relief, but she actually she is kind of like the heart of the. Group, she is definitely the heart of the group because you so it's like when they do comic relief well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. She's a character, not a punchline. Yeah. Then there's also uh, to round up the group, we have Yuzuki, who is this pop star, like uh, your typical uh, gilded cage princess who mm-hmm. wants to escape the trappings of her lifestyle as well. And um, I think what this show does very well is that it creates a very tangible, but also at the same time, realistic depictions of these girls and their attitudes, especially like how their personalities work off each other. Yeah. and how it develops their uh, relationships but also more importantly that it's extremely Japanese because I think a lot of people might be uh, I would say a little bit hard it'll be, it's going to be very hard for them to understand the very Japanese-esque the nuances and the yeah, culture yeah. How, how they it's work. extremely yeah. you know uh, like based in a lot of uh, the way Japanese people uh, approach things like uh, how you apologize or how you speak to people older than you but then again, that's you know J- Japan in general. That's anime in general. Yeah. If you don't get the, if you don't get, you know, if you don't know what a senpai is, hmm. <laughs> like maybe you need to do a bit more research. But I would say like yeah. don't let that uh, prevent you from diving into the show because basically, um, I would equate it to something that's extremely Japanese, which is their concepts and like how a lot of their philosophy is based around minimalism. Yeah. Because like usually when it comes to a show where it's all about escape and travel and going to far flung destinations, right? The first thing you wouldn't think of is Antarctica. No, no, you would be like bottom of my list for things to go for. Sure, harsh conditions, sub zero temperatures, man eating penguins. I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But also at the same time, it's um like their growth. Instead of that very vapid, look at me, I'm so well-traveled, I'm, I've experienced all these wonderful things. Because like, if I were to relate it to maybe, uh, say something like, you know, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants or something. Yeah. Where it's all about, oh, we need to go out there, we need to meet some men, we need to get drunk, we need to, like, you know. Like, okay, that in itself is a way of gaining life experiences. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's basically, uh, why I say it's very Japanese, is like, it's removing all the distractions of your life and focusing on what makes you you. Uh-huh. And that's what's beautiful about it because the thing is, like, you have Shirase who is extremely driven by a mission. Yeah. To, like, you know, discover and find out what happened to her mother. Then you have Kimari who basically, her entire goal is to leave here. And then she comes to the realization that once she gets there, where else can she go? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's. She latches on to the first person she meets who has a goal in life who exactly. is her age yeah. and she and she gets inspired as a result yeah. which is you know that's something that a lot of people can relate to especially mm. when you have a mundane well, like lifestyle you just when you attach yourself yeah. to someone who you're not necessarily like but you're just you're attracted to something about like the way they approach life where you're like well I need the ideal rather than I need to hang out with you because you are you know awakening something within me I think that's also what the show does well because it's uh, how they all work off each other mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, the impetus for them all going to Antarctica together makes so much sense. Okay. And it like it doesn't rely on the camaraderie until it's necessary. Okay. Which I think is what's great about the writing of the show because it does... I would say it's a little bit subtle yeah. I mean, in the way of like introducing these concepts of friendship. I mean, it's not on the nose, thankfully. Yes. It's like, how would you react if you were like a bunch of like 13-year-olds who were to go on this 
particular trip. Dude, I wouldn't even want to go to Antarctica. You crazy? <laughs> Hell no. no. If I was a 13 Can I bring my PlayStation? <laughs> no, if I was a 13-year-old British girl, I'd be like, why the fuck would I go somewhere even colder? It's miserable here enough as it is. <laughs> Penguins. <laughs> I can go to the penguins zoo. Are cute. <laughs> like there was a zoo which had penguins like thirty minutes drive from where I was. Oh, yeah. Did you visit them? Yeah, often. <laughs> They're fucking adorable. Yeah, penguins are cool. Don't diss penguins. I love penguins. Yes, a uh, lot of penguins in this show as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, all, yeah. all animated, really nice by uh, Studio Madhouse. I, okay, I want to say Madhouse. Yes, Madhouse. Pl- yes. Plus a whole bunch <laughs> of other you know outsourced animators. A lot of awesome action shows. Of course, yeah. this is a joint production. I think with Korea and Vietnam as well. Ah. Yeah, but also at the same time, like when it, whenever people mention Madhouse, like everybody immediately thinks like Afro Samurai or Red Line. Like now, this is them, you know, doing like you know the 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 very uh, what's the opposite of shonen? Uh? Oh man, I want to say slice of life, but I don't know. That's I don't know what the Japanese term for that. The is, shoujo, so. I think, like the girl version. Yeah. But shoujo, shoujo, yeah. shonen is guys. Shonen, yeah. sho- shonen is guys. Shoujo is girls. And I yeah. would say also what. I really loved about the show is the fact that none of the like, even though I would say it does rely on a lot of very over sentimental kind of emotional manipulations right it it's great payoff okay you know what I mean it doesn't force you to feel emotional but at the same time when the emotional things happen it just heightens it to a point where you know I'm a grown man and I have to, I have to admit I did cry at the final episode just how sweet it was uh, the, the, the second the, the second final so episode when it, that's when it when happened. it catches that emotional check it feels earned yeah so it's like it, yeah, it, it yeah. basically it knows how to really sell that scene mm. yeah we're not gonna spoil it but I'm gonna we're gonna say that this is highly yeah, I, recommended just because for the I caught off. a glimpse of it and yeah I mean without context I was going like this is this is hitting me hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, also at the same time, it will. I think what we all can definitely relate to is like that moment when you were thirteen and you were so listless and you were like you had the world in front of you. Mm-hmm. And to watch a show where just just these girls decide to just go for it and go on an expedition, mm-hmm. you know, throwing caution to the wind, <laughs> and it basically is like you, you would love to live your life through them. The yeah, I mean, point. I didn't do that till I was twenty. I was like, Jesus Christ, this mm. make me feel like an uninspired slob. And I would say that too. It's like I think this is the kind of show that's also especially uh, something I would definitely recommend to a lot of our female listeners because I would say <laughs> a lot of our female <laughs> listeners. You mean our female all listener? All of all of them. <laughs> all of them. All, all of them. them. You know, wherever you are, I'm sure there's more than. <laughs> okay, whether you, whether okay, whether you're a casual viewer of anime who kind of knows a bit of anime culture, or whether you're a hardcore anime viewer, this boy or girl doesn't matter. A place for the universe is definitely worth actually your that, time. It's only thirteen episodes. That's Come the question on. I have. If you are not an anime fan, would you like this? Yes, you would. I would. Yes, it would definitely would. be yes, the kind of thing. It's like remember that point maybe like five years ago where everybody was like recommending Murakami and Norwegian Wood. And all his Japaneseisms. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it's like when, like when people read it, like, oh, this has opened my eyes to anime culture. Or like, you can even say recently with Tidea with Marie Kondo. Yeah, that's I didn't explode it. That show, yes, I didn't expect that to take off as much. Also, what I love is that people there's a major backlash because you said, oh, I have no more than thirty books, which is people translated it as you should not have more than thirty books. And people who chose to have more books than having a personality got very offended. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, people. Okay, mistranslations happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Context. But then again, you know what's even annoying? Yeah. People telling, what? like, uh, what was that thing again? Hashtag sparks joy, and they, don't, yeah. and they show all their piles of garbage. 
<laughs> it's like, like just throw that shit away. I, this, this is a this is a Facebook thing that popped up like a while back. It's, like, it's still like, going for me, sir. Quick. Yeah, this, oh my god! There's a whole god. bunch of my friends yeah. posting like, "Oh, look at this closet full of junk I don't want to throw out." Hashtag sparks joy. Mm-hmm. It's like it's willfully not understanding what she's trying to say. Yeah. Well, you know what else? Is at new? the same time, like why I would draw that comparison because like she's all about minimalism, and these four girls, you know, in a place further than the universe. Also, there is a very minimalistic aspect to how it's all about removing things that do not matter. Mm-hmm. And then, like, at the end of the day, like, what's the lesson we all have? You know, it's all about your friends. It's all about living life to the fullest. It's all about enjoying youth while you have it. But it, yeah, Enjoying the journey. That they do together. end every episode with an Instagram post. Uh, actually, they start off the episode with an they Instagram They start, like, yeah, it, it's bookended. But, yeah, they're... 13 year goals of this generation yeah of course it's like yeah, yeah. so so that makes yeah, sense like that makes stripping sense stripping that backward is not important but you still need to have that hashtag selfie game well true that but then again it's also a plot prop because Yuzuki the pop star yeah, has yeah, to yeah, document yeah. her journey I mean I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you know I mean, like, okay, uh, the only major complaint I have about this show is that the adult characters who arrive like halfway through the season felt a little bit shoehorned in, but also it was necessary for them to kind of establish like more of Shirase's arc where she's discovering like what happened to her mother by introducing. Yeah, I think they serve a I purpose. think the bigger focus is still the four girls. Yeah, yeah but so the the adults will get a bit. So like to me, yeah, like to me, it felt like uh, it was it got a little bit too heavy towards the end when more characters popped in. Mm. Although that could just be, you know, representation of four teenagers often, you know, adults are just so, you just don't think about them at all to the point where they're just little characters in the background of your own personal story. Oh, no, that's happening. what I'm saying. I'm saying is like, they, there's no adults until then. Oh. It's like the character, it, it, we just focus on the four of them and just like how they, like, I mean, there's cute sections where they like do their own training, mm. where they prepare, where they, they go to like, you know, mountains and they learn how to use, what do you call that thing where, uh, ah. It's this device you look at so you can see longitude, latitude, uh, that thing. Anyway, never mm-hmm. mind. I- the, 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 not the sextant, no, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> sextant look, they're going to Antarctica, they're not going onto an 18th century ship of the line. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to over-explain that too. But also, I mean, it's very cute because basically there's like entire scenes where you, like, they... Like, even as a teenager, when they were asked to pack for a trip to Antarctica, uh-huh. and there's like this entire section where it's like, I need to bring a frying pan. <laughs> like, you don't need the frying pan. There's definitely going to be like a you know a cookhouse there. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so how am I going to cook my food? You're not going to cook food. And it's like, you can see them thinking as 13 year olds. Yeah. And then, like, like there's an, like, oh, do I need to bring all these clothes? Uh, yeah, but you know, you can just do laundry. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's adorable that way too. But like, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on the girls and their relationship, and then when they uh, we should also bring up Megumi, like the side character that also had her own episode together with Kimari, like before they left for Antarctica. well, she is basically the. I mean, like what I would say is that she's a metaphor for the like the life that she is living behind, where she plays it yeah. safe. She plays it safe. She she lives a very stagnant life, and in a sense, she does play the older sister to Kimari. But at the same time, it also, I mean, like, to me, it's kind of like uh, something, like, she represents the things you have to leave behind, or, like, the comforts of like your Like, manifested life. self-doubt. Yeah. When it's not just objects, when it's not just the house, it's also the it's people. It's also the people. Like, especially the ones who kind of want to attach to you just because yeah, I mean, of like big sister and feeling, I love you know? that about it because it's basically, like, sometimes you need to leave some people behind mm-hmm. to go forward. And, like, yeah, you know, yeah. but the thing is, like, uh, Kimari is such a, a sweet girl, like, no, we'll still be friends. 
Even I, though I, she does something to really try and well, fuck she her does over. try to sabotage the trip because she doesn't want uh, Kimari to go. Because I don't, I don't want to reveal too many like spoilers. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we're not spoiling it. It's just like there's a sabotage. But yeah, there's plenty but, of life lessons yeah. within this show. It sounds like. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's uh, definitely among, I would say top three anime of last year. Oh really? Yeah. Damn. I mean, definitely. I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched all of it yet, so I can't really make up my mind. But definitely, I would. I would sit through this all over again. Hmm. Okay, and this time I'm prepared. <laughs> You're still gonna I think cry. One other anim- I'll yeah. still, I'm still, I'm still I, gonna cry. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm gonna watch this, and I'm still yeah, yeah. gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, then you probably wouldn't want to watch the other anime I would recommend from last year, Violet Evergarden. Oh boy, that's that's actually one other show I kind of want to recommend you guys to watch if you can. It is actually about a um. Okay, imagine a, a alternate World War Two kind of scenario where basically after the war is done, everything. Then you've got soldiers who don't know what the heck they want to do. So this child soldier named Violet, the title character, she this she's basically lost after the war is done and everything, and she wants to basically be a ghostwriter. In this universe, they call it um, auto memory dolls. They have a term for this ghostwriters in this particular universe, and this is basically just about her trying to cope with like the people she killed or the people who had lost soldiers and lost their lives, and writing letters for people who can't read and everything, and trying to. Just make a way out of it, lah. Just trying to make a really inventive life out of uh, it. And quick, for a show that... Oh, sorry, I was just going to ask, uh, is this for a war that she lost? Is she on the losing side uh, or the winning side? Uh, actually, she's on the winning okay. side, but she killed a shitload mm-hmm. of people based on the flashback that happened. I'm not going to say much about the anime, but let's just say that it that deals a lot with survivor's yeah. guilt. A lot about PTSD for some of the people who fought in the war. Like Some episodes actually focus on... A particular woman she's actually helping out, a kid, like she's ghostwriting for her. But it turns out her brother is actually a drunkard, and it's basically a whole episode where they were trying to reconnect basically through the power of her ghostwriting, per se. Mm-hmm. And I should also mention that her hands are basically replaced with mechanical prosthetics so she can. Oh, type. of course. <laughs> like Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, yeah. so they had to put it in. Yeah, it's kind of like a Ghost in the Shell kind of it's thing. It's like, it's an anime, they have to have this, some of this shit in there somewhere. Like, in this universe, I think steampunk te- technology has gone a pretty long way to the point where mechanical prosthetics are a thing, a really good mm. thing. Oh, so yeah. it's not very cybernetic, it's more steampunk. It's more steampunk, yes. Uh, if you just, I mean, it's basically like World War II, post-World War II, like, imagine a Poland, a Polak country with, you know, a lot of these inventors creating these mechanical steampunk objects for prosthetics and so whatnot. So does she have on. a little, like, core power generator strapped to her back? Uh, no, it's just a hand okay. lab, basically. She just controls it. So you're not way, you're not meant say. to question where the power source comes from, I guess. Unfortunately, no. It's not one of those kind of shows. The show is mostly just about how she lives life, how she actually copes with her general buddy. Um, I believe it's Claudia. He actually started this whole post office thing after the war. So she's working with him, together with other auto memory dolls who actually have their own side stories, which actually gets explained, which actually gets showcased in other episodes with her involved. So I would say for a show with a lot of talking heads, it's a very beautiful show. Like, I'm going to point out three episodes where basically when they showcase the animation, they really showcase it really well. Uh, episode 5, 7, and 10, where, where they show a passage of time kind of event. They showcase like a particular um, scene where a drunk writer gets a revelation and he just balls out emotionally, but not before Violet Evergarden does this really... Uh, spectacular stunt on the pawn. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna say more than that lah because it's such a beautiful scene. And I think there's one episode involving a princess and a prince where 
I think she hires a ghostwriter and they basically just coordinate with, with the ghostwriters coordinate with each other to actually hook up these prince and princesses to basically uh, I guess it's a way to unite the two countries together in that particular region but it ends up in a very pretty pretty heartwarming note okay now. yeah cool so we have like three shows to recommend it's still gonna recommend Attack on Titan uh, I mean it's kind of like a hesitant one mm-hmm. um, I mean again if you really want a, a great uh, anime from my end, watch Akretsuko because, you know, yeah. heavy metal uh, red panda. Okay, and then uh, we'll definitely recommend a place for the universe. Can I recommend... Oh, highly recommend highly, it. It's on Netflix. Super highly recommend it. Can I recommend one more? Absolutely. Close up yes, this episode. please do. Please do. So, uh, I'm known for very violent and very vile things. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to yes, recommend... You do not want to see his browser Legend history. of the Overfeed. Oh. <laughs> that's one. So, show. like, I'm going to recommend this... Uh, uh, something that's very not my character. <laughs> Speaking of feels, uh, definitely, I would also definitely recommend High Score Girl, which is also available on Netflix. It's a very bite-sized anime. I think it's about 12 episodes total. Each and one each about one half an hour. Yeah. Half an hour, 20 minutes. Well, it's half an hour. It's and half, 20 minutes, oh, okay. 20 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is something I would definitely uh, heavily recommend to all our Last King fans because if you know us, we love us some uh, video games, uh, especially fighting games from the 90s, mm-hmm. which we can't stop talking yes. about. Remember we used to be a video yep, game yep. show? We're still trying to be a video game <laughs> show. Yes, yes. Hey, Kingdom Hearts 3 coming soon. We might review it. Anyway, so, um, high score girl is something that okay i mean i'll just definitely go straight up with the conceits everybody kind of not say complains right but the cons is basically it heavily relies on nostalgia Mm -hmm. and it's a very specific nostalgia because this entire show is uh set in the framework of uh like the fighting game scene in the arcades of the 90s and we're literally 91 we're literally talking about 1991 the year street fighter 2 drops and it takes the world by storm and it follows uh, what's the lead character's name? Haruo, right? Haruo, Haruo Yaguchi. So yes. he is your uh, very run-of-the-mill, underachieving, uh, high, like not, not even high school yet. I think it was before high school for Japan. I don't know what it's called. Junior, middle school. It's probably junior. It looks junior. So he's like you know, because the passage of time, yeah. I think he actually graduates. He's after still that, like maybe like you know, twelve years old. He's mm-hmm. like he's uh, about to enter teenhood, but basically he has. Um, no ambition on doing well in school or making friends or being cool but he does discover this passion for uh, going to the arcades uh-huh. and that's where he meets Akira his rival hmm. Akira Ono yes, yes. and uh, Akira Ono is the high school girl and they have this rivalry that it, at first I thought it was gonna be like a very interesting you know I like um, Haruo represents middle class yeah whereas uh, Akira Akira is basically... She's a very rich girl. She's very quiet. She's a bit of an ice queen. She doesn't say anything at all mm-hmm. for a lot of the show. And a lot of her reactions is just basically punches to the face, kicks to the balls, or a very... A headbutt. Or a, a headbutt, head yeah. Okay. Or a disapproving grunt once in a while. Sounds yeah. very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, but <laughs> I would say this. Uh, <laughs> somebody's getting like cut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's, oh, that's beside the point. It's like, what, what I want to say is that basically, one thing I love about the show is how it represents the arcade scene and the games themselves very accurately. And I'm pretty sure yeah, it's in yeah. part with a lot of, uh, in the, I think, involvement of the developers. I'm pretty sure Capcom had something to say. Because you like you literally have characters from the game giving this boy love advice. Yeah. Which is like kind of cool, but also at the same time, um, 
one of the things that made me giggle very early on, especially in the first episode, is basically Akira's choice of character. Because it's like, Haru would use Guile in Street Fighter 2. And everybody... Yeah, and we know that Guile 2 is basically like the top tier character. In him and Ryu. Basically, yeah. And okay, it's very easy to be cheap with Guile. Mm-hmm. And yes, she, I totally know that. And she beats him with Zangief. <laughs> like, this girl uses the giant burly Russian wrestler to defeat him. And the thing is, as a Street Fighter player, you understand the difficulty. You're just like, you, yes. she has to be so exceptional at this, not only at the game and at this character, to defeat his lame turtle style guile. And it's like, I love how it's like, if you're a fan of the games, and if you're a fan of like the mechanics of the games and the history that is attached to the games as well, like they do enough to pepper the entire show with moments that will make you. I mean, in a way, it's referencing. Yeah. But it's not in a way where it's like, oh, hey, look over there, here's some other property that you find familiar. It's literally no. This is the one thing that if you were a gamer of the nineties, you would understand this. So it's not just uh, reference the show. It's basically how references should be done. Yeah. If you get it, laugh and move on. Okay, don't linger on it. But also at the same time, uh, aside from that, besides them creating this rivalry, it also morphs into a very beautiful and very elegantly done love story. And. Yes, I also have to kind of uh, admit that it does go very tropish because like, I would compare this to something like Ranma where you have the boy who is a little bit not willing to like, surrender to his like affections for this girl and the girl who's equally stubborn and yeah. who, will, the, who would, who's only... And also don't forget the other woman that chased after Ranma well, throughout the course of the show. You're talking about shampoo. I mean, there's a shampoo <laughs> equivalent because we have yes. a, a blonde-haired girl, Koharu, who does appear. But she literally represents the Betty to Akira's Veronica. Because you gotta have a love triangle, you have yep. a, you need a third person. And she doesn't get shoehorned in, but I love her mini arc where she doesn't like video games, but because she loves Haru so much, she, she gets out. so good at it. Oh. She becomes like the same level as the two of them. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of bittersweet moments because it's like the the question it asks you is what would you do for the one you love? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like the, the most basic thing especially is like you gotta show interest in what they're interested in. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of scenes of that. I mean like You it, have to wait until marriage to say I don't give a shit about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I've never given a shit, honey. <laughs> anyway, but also at the same time, it's like uh I mean I also like the fact that she didn't feel shoehorned in, but mm. like there was a scene where Koharu does buy a, a game console. I think she buys the PlayStation, right? Ooh. Yeah. What a prescient choice. I mean, it just came out yeah. back then. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, it was the age yeah, when yeah. the PlayStation when, was, when the was That was the hot yeah. shit. And I, I love her logic was like, if I buy this uh, PlayStation, I don't need to go to the arcade with Haru anymore. Mm. He has to come to my house. And the asshole was basically, you have a PlayStation? Can I borrow it? <laughs> 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 like, I don't want to spoil too many of the moments in the game, but there's a lot of like these very nice references that just made me like, Yep, I, I knew a person just like that. Yep, adolescence. <laughs> utterly yes. clueless fuckwit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the kind where if they're American, they lay awake in bed five years later going, Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she had the hearts for me all as well. Damn it. <laughs> yes, all of us have that one girl who liked you and you didn't realize until it was too late. Yeah, when you suddenly just yeah. wake up <sighs> and go, Oh, damn it. <laughs> God, God why, damn didn't, it. why didn't I know? And I think that's what I love about this show because it's extremely relatable. Because, I mean, like, compared to something like A Place in the Universe where it's very hard for me to relate to the exploits of a 13-year-old girl in Antarctica, 
It's very easy for me to kind of relate to Haruo Yaguchi because basically when I was a 13-year-old boy, I was clueless about love and relationships too. And yeah, yeah it's like we've, we've all had that one girl who was like, oh, she liked me then? Damn it! Hmm. Why, did, why, why, why didn't my hormones kick in <laughs> in time for me to realize things like this? I was like, ah! Oh. But also at the same time, uh, I can also extremely relate to who needs girls when you have video games? Duh! <laughs> it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's the same excuse I told myself. <laughs> it, it was a young, yeah. Like, look at us now, we're so happy. Oh, yeah, all to be young, yes. <laughs> Love is indeed. stupid. Why should I do it? I've got World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> oh, World of Warcraft. <laughs> Yeah, dude. But uh, like, I will say this also, like, but like, you no. Know, I mean, the, why I'm so attached to this show is also like when Haru discovers his uh, what that feeling he's been feeling is, like, like deep down inside, like he could never explain why he was drawn and attracted to Akira, but also at the same time, like he explained it back to himself using his own 13 year old boy logic, where it's like, I need a rival, I need somebody yeah. better than me so I can improve myself, and then it's like all these small excuses to be close to her and then he realizes too late. Mm. And then when he does realize it, it's like, you know, the show very geniusly takes her away. Yeah. She's sent off to LA and then he's there left long. And it's also got one of the best crying scenes at an airport I've seen in a while. <laughs> That's a very specific thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, usually when you have the overly sentimental like reunion or the separation at the airport, you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, I mean like, we can go as far back as Casablanca. No, oh, here's yeah. looking at yeah. you, kid. This tops that. I'll just say it right now. But this anime oh. is more heartbreaking. Does it top Frodo saying goodbye at the Grey Harbor? Everything tops Frodo saying oh, goodbye at off. the Grey Harbor. Yeah. Dude, he's saying it to three other hobbits, not cute Japanese girls. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what your thing is, bro. But hey, <laughs> hey, not my thing. Frodo's thing. <laughs> hobbits be freaky. I can't relate to Frodo <laughs> at all. I don't have big hairy feet. Oh wait. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but okay. I mean, another thing I also want to kind of bring up is the art style is unique. I love the art style a lot. I love how it. I mean, like I said, it references, but not for the sake of referencing, but because it, it's. It makes sense with the context yeah. of two kids who actually want to find their outlet and their escape through the magic of arcade. And yeah, I would say this, right? It is so nerdy how accurate it becomes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I need to bring up one of my favorite scenes. It was basically like Haru, his running joke is that he's the idiot who always buys the worst wrong console. Con- he buys the wrong console of that generation. <laughs> like like when King of Fighters finally drops and he's like oh I can't wait to play this on my home console he buys a Neo Geo CD and like okay, I know I'm spoiling it and it actually ha- yeah it actually has that problem like, of what for we all have of us assholes who, who drop hard like as a 13 year old you know how much like Windows and grass. I need to cut just to afford a new Geo CD. Yeah, that was a five. It's not. It's not it's cheap. It's a five hundred dollar console. Okay, in nineteen nineties money. Ooh, <laughs> you know, like, you know. God damn it! You know how much cartridges used to cost? I paid ninety dollars for Mega Man. <laughs> you know, in nineteen nineties money, that's like you saving your entire year. You know, and just to buy yourself that Christmas present. But okay, as like one of those guys who bought a new Geo CD, that moment when he loads up the game, and they accurately portray how it takes two to three minutes for it to load a single stage which is how it was back in like, the day I yes. burst out laughing like I know how that feels oh, <laughs> I, I, I feel for you buddy I feel oh for God. you because I could not afford the actual Neo Geo MVS arcade system like that was a $900 behemoth oh fuck off okay like I could get the Sega and the Super Nintendo yeah. that okay that is the bent <laughs> but, but you had experiences playing a 
PlayStation finding game where it loads quite a oh, while. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. like th- th- that's what I love about it because it was like this is what I love about good references. It's not about you know pointing to something and saying hey look at that familiar thing. It's like yeah this was a thing. If you get it, yeah, you'll definitely yeah. understand why this scene is here. And it actually happened. You know? Yeah, they actually are recre- they recreated really and well. On top yeah. of all that, you know, a beautiful romantic uh, love triangle. It becomes a love triangle much later, mm-hmm. but it's probably yeah. I would say it's up there with like even Ranma Half is one of the best uh, like romances in anime in a while. But yeah. for shows of like last year, I think it's pretty good. It's really, it really, it's really up there for shows of definitely. Also, I mean, this be- will beat out uh, a place farther than the universe just because of the video game references. I think this is a show made for you. Yeah, it, it literally feels like that. It was like it's how how I felt about Futurama. It's like when I watched it, it's like this is so nerdy f- for the sake of being nerdy. You know, I can imagine the marketing people like, right, we need a new anime specifically for this demographic. It's just your face. We got sponsorship <laughs> from Square Enix. Yeah, sure. Let's do this. Oh, man. The title arcade. Because, like, stuff. you also yeah. have to understand, there was a... It wasn't an anime, but it was a Japanese drama about a boy and his father playing Final Fantasy that came out on Netflix, too. Ah, oh, man. I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember. It was sure. terrible. I don't know what you're talking about. It's basically about, like, uh, how all the Final Fantasies kind of bonded with, like, the, the relationship between this boy and his father. And it was so schmaltzy and overly yeah. sentimental. And also at the same time, like okay, that's how you do it wrong. I'm, I think it's still available on Netflix, but eh. but high school girl, I do feel high that score, yeah, if you want something genuine, high school, high school, high school girl, girl is a girl. very different show. It's she a becomes th- a high school girl much later. High school girl, yes, yeah, but yeah. high school girl, yeah, she. This is actually done really well in terms of like hitting the nostalgia, but in a really like a really more direct and a really more uh, concrete way, like a more. Yeah, I mean, if way. you were a guy, if you're a guy in your thirties and you watch this, it's like, yep, I, I lived through that. I know how that feels. Yeah. So what about a guy in his twenties? I remember saving up for that. I think even as a guy yeah. in your twenties, like if you replace like uh, video games with like martial arts or basketball, like this is very tropish. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm the first to admit it, but also at the same time, what I would definitely highlight is the fact that despite all that. The relationship, uh, the character developments, and the reactions. Mm-hmm. Like, at its core, it's still a beautiful love story. And anybody can enjoy this, despite what it's referencing or despite right, the awesome. framework. And uh, I would say, yeah, this... I think this is more like your personal pick, right? This is definitely, like, if I were to say my most favorite anime of 2018, this is, like, the one show that um, I would try to get as many friends as possible to watch. Okay. Like, then, probably a place further in the universe. Definitely also a, a great school. Oh and, yeah, and then like I mean like that's my easily my top three. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, should we wrap this up, boys? Yeah, I think so. I think we're almost done. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty I mean, done. I can't really contribute. Oh, oh I should oh. bring up one oh, thing. Um, the soundtrack, the soundtrack that uh, high school, the the person who did the soundtrack for high school, high girl, score, Yokoshimomura, high score girl, <laughs> Yokoshimomura. He's got a one track mind, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, you know me too well. But anyway, Yoko Shimomura did the soundtrack, so that actually you know hits the whole Street Fighter Two references a lot. More yeah, more, definitely. You know? <laughs> so uh, that that is our recommendations for uh, our favorite animes of 2018. Go ahead and check out Attack on Titan season three uh, if definitely. you feel like it. Yeah, I mean, if you've been invested in it this long, might as well keep it going. Uh, but in terms of new anime, definitely check out High School Girl, Place far- Further Than the Universe, and uh, Violet Evergarden. Yeah, if you... Violet Evergarden. Yeah. Really good stuff. If you want something to cry about. If you want more things to cry about, yeah, sure, definitely. Oh, well, a lot of tearjerkers on it's this. It's funny <laughs> how our most yeah. sensitive episode is the anime episode. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a lot more 
anime to look forward to. We have definitely One Punch Man. Oh yeah, it's gonna be sensitive in a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We God, also I have. Cannot wait for that. And speaking of uh, anime adaptations, we also have a uh, Battle Angel Alita coming out in February, uh, lurking around. The- yeah, Just in yeah. time for uh, Valentine's Day. And I've heard actually pretty decent stuff about it. Really? I mean, it's gonna flop really hard because the budget was 150 million or something stupid. It's a James Cameron production show. But, so yeah, and it's directed is by Robert high. Rodriguez. Yeah, but also it might be a stupid thing. hit as well because they've got a month and a half until Captain Marvel comes out. So. Yeah, that, I think it's bad. gonna go the route of like something like Ready Player One, where despite all the negative early criticisms, it's just gonna slowly like make money anyway because yeah. it came out at the right time. Yeah, and I mean, once you get past the massive anime eyes, it's the the shit looks cool, man. Do you realize that Asian people don't care? I know it's it's only it's <laughs> why do white people bring that yeah, up? It's every white per- it, yeah, it's only white people <laughs> who care about other yeah, people's every white person goes, strange. oh my god, those eyes like. Stop! Stop with the eyes. Like that's what she looks like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so. It's like it's unnerving. Uh, She's a robot. It, it, yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi show. What do you expect? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not a documentary, right, boys? And mm-hmm. also at the same time, uh, these are the assholes who told like people that Devil May Cry was a bad game. Stop judging it on the trailer. Oh, DMC, you mean? Yeah, DMC, DMC, you mean. DMC Man, which I, was... I'm not looking forward to DMC five. It looks so. I am curious. But man, Devil Trigger, that. isn't that such an awesome song? <laughs> it's, the, a dumb song. it's a <laughs> stupid song that's going to be played during every battle, and I'm going to get sick of it so far. It's, oh my god. I Are already... they going to use the same extremely low energy singer as well? You know what? Yes. Pull my devil finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, devil Miguel, you know, devil Let's not uh, end the show on a bad note, okay? Let's talk about all the positive things again. So, again, we write, uh, reminding you all check out High Score Girl, check yeah. out Place Farther Than the Universe. Check out Agoretsuko. Check out uh, Violet Evergarden. Maybe check out Attack on Titan. Hey, part two might be amazing and it'll make part one all worth it. You know, and we can't wait to review it when it finally comes out mm-hmm. six months from now. Hopefully. And then I'll be going, what yes. the fuck? And then I'll be going like, you know what? One Punch Man came out. Well, let's talk Munch about Punch that Man. <laughs> Yeah, we talk about let's something. One Punch Man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Finally. So, uh, you know, let's wrap this up, boys. Uh, yes. This has been uh, Shafik Senpai. I've, I've, I've matured. I, I've come of age during this entire podcast. <laughs> this has been Eccentric Tomo. <laughs> Tomo Arigato, Mr. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, sure. And this has been Mr. Toffee. The high school girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, the high school high girl. High school girl. High school girl. High school girl. Hanging out, boys. <laughs>